University of Minnesota Rochester's alumni podcast. I'm Marco Lance, UMR Director of Alumni Development Relationships. Today, we hear from 2016 graduate Dr. Hawa Ali as she chats with her student success coach, Jen Hook. The two talk about discovering UMR, the importance of mentorship, the experience of medical school, and advice for students pursuing medicine. Following her time at UMR, Dr. Ali completed a gap year as a post-bac research scientist at Mayo Clinic, graduated from the University of Minnesota Medical School, and is now an otolaryngology head and neck surgery resident at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. What have you been doing since you graduated in 2016? Yeah. Um, so I did a gap year, uh, for a year after I graduated and did research during that year. And then I went to University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities, the medical school up there, spent four years up there and then did, uh, missed Rochester too much and came back. Um, and so now I am an intern in the otolaryngology head and neck surgery uh, department. Um, it's just a fancy name for ear, nose and throat doctors. Um, and so that's what I'm doing right now. You said it just so nicely, just roll naturally. Yeah. <laughs> Have you practiced you know, saying that word a few times now? <laughs> oh, when you interview at all these places and have to tell them why you want to be one of them, you have to know the name. <laughs> <laughs> you, you figure it out. Exactly. Um, well, let's, I love that like kind of quick overview. Let's maybe jump back in time because long ago you were a high school student and you decided to come the UMR. Um, walk me through that choice and that decision. Like, how did you end up at the University of Minnesota Rochester? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Rochester and had just heard about this new college that was starting out and was probably three years in when I was like considering going to UMR. Um, and I, I think I told you this story, Jen, but it was a really funny story because my mom told me there was a university. And I was like, no, there isn't one, you know, can't be. Um, I thought she was just trying to coax me into staying in Rochester. <laughs> um, and so I did a little bit of research and quickly learned that this was a health science school. Um, at the time, you know, I wanted to do something in in medicine and in health science. And I didn't really know what that meant for me. Um, and so I wanted to be at a place where I felt like the school and the professors really wanted to support my pathway, regardless of where I ended up. Um, so I was looking really for good education and like support in being able to kind of pursue whatever avenue I find myself, I found myself interested in. Um, and then of course there's the attraction of Mayo Clinic and doing research. And so that's uh, for me, was another thing to real that really kind of sold me um, into staying. But honestly, it was the people. Like I came and uh, did like the uh, I don't remember what it's called anymore. But you know, when you come and you visit the school and meet some of the professors and the students, and I just felt like people were really supported at UMR. Um, and there was something special about the um, like the ask ask me ask me whatever question center. I don't remember what it's called anymore. Just, but just ask. Yes. Just ask. Yes. Uh, as you are aware, I spent a lot of time there. Um, and like, I think for me, that really sold, sold my, uh, sold my, sold me as a high schooler um, coming to UMR. Oh yeah. No, I was just going to say, if you could tell us a little bit about maybe some of what you consider like the most impactful experiences that you had while you were a student at UMR. Yeah. Um, I think for me really like, the academic rigor of UMR just made me a more confident student. 
um, had come, coming in from, or from high school, I was under the perception that I wasn't like a good test taker and um, was kind of an average student. And I think I really was, but coming to UMR, like, I felt like my professors really pushed me and challenged me to work harder, study better, you know, study smarter. Um, and I think that people really taught me how to thrive as a student. Um, and I think the Just Ask Center was really like a, a big part of that because I felt like people were open to helping me kind of figure out what I knew and what I didn't know instead of just saying, too bad, you know, go, go learn this lecture, yeah. come back. Um, so I think like learning how to deal in a, how to thrive in an academic, academically rigorous place was like one of the biggest things I took away from UMR. Um, and then the other thing for me was I just like didn't know I was interested in research and UMR opened that opportunity for me to find people to work with at Mayo, um, through kind of the work study process and some research projects that I did with, um, some of the professors there. And that really kind of opened up my academic, um, career for me. And so those are really the two big things, the two big highlights I take, I take away from my time at UMR. Um, and then the people, you know, like I loved being your, uh, student. I know that like we, there was a lot of tears in your office, um, <laughs> but I think it was like growing pains. And I felt like there was plenty of support in that process, um, for people to both be like a good listening ear, but also like objectively tell me like, yeah, you can do this or no, you should reconsider this, you know? And so I felt like I, there was a, re- a really good balance in that. Oh, funny. I, I recall you being in my office your first year and you're like, I don't want to use the word easy, but so far it's okay. And then oh. I remember <laughs> sophomore year you saying, okay, it's hard now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I did a lot of crying sophomore year. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that you felt you know, that there was support in place to help you because my guess is it got harder in medical school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that accurate? <laughs> yes. Yes. And honestly, I think that like I learned from you, Omar, that it's really about like putting in the work, putting in the mm-hmm. time and that nothing really was beyond like my understanding. It mm-hmm. just meant that I just needed to find a person who could explain it to me better something that could teach it to me better and then like put in the work, you know? And I think the just ask center for me really did that um, and taught me those skills. I love how you describe those like relationships and how important those relationships were in your learning. Um, You had a lot of mentors, I think throughout your undergraduate career. So I'm just curious if you can speak a little bit to the power of mentors in your life both sort of when you were an undergrad, but you know, how you've built a professional network now that you're have gone through medical school and in your residency experience now, sort of, you know, what does that, what does that feel like to you? Yeah. Um, I'm a true believer in mentorship. I think that mentorship really opens up doors that you didn't even know existed. Um, and I learned how to build really good mentors at UMR. Cause I felt that like there's a tiered kind of way I think about mentors. There's the people who are, you know, a, a year or two ahead of you who kind of are going through the same thing as you are and can tell you how to get through your day-to-day stuff. So those are like your peer mentors. There's the people who are like in the next stage, like the people who are in med school or in grad school um, that you can like talk to to figure out like how to kind of, um, how, how to kind of like, figure out how to get to your next step. And then there are people who kind of are like your big picture mentors, you know, who help you kind of um, figure out where your roadblocks are, 
you know, what skills you need to get to the next stage. Um, and I felt that at UMR, I was able to kind of learn that one, I needed all those types of mentors, but mm-hmm. two, have access to them. And so like I, my classmates and the people, above, uh, the, uh, the class, the class years are above me were really great mentors mm-hmm. to me in terms of like, um, the TAs were really good at like telling you, this is what you need to do to study for this class. This is how you need, this is what you need to do to, you know, succeed, etc. And then there was, you know, you who I could come to and be like, I need to go to med school. Or I need to do this. How do I get there? And, you know, you did a really good job of just helping me figure out like, what is the big picture and how do I get there? And then I had amazing professors like Dr. Costco and Dr. Um, Pratt Racina, who like, really helped me kind of from a big picture understand like what are your goals where do you want to go how can we help you get there um and so when I went to med school I like frantically tried to build a similar network um and I think that because it was a bigger school it was a little bit harder but eventually with the skills that I had learned I was able to do um to kind of build a similar structure so that's kind of one of the biggest lessons I've taken away from mentorship is just you you have to ask you you know take the courage to ask people and tell them, you know, what you're struggling with, where you want to go and let them help you. Um, so does that exist in your world now as a medical resident? I mean, you're in this very interesting <laughs> place, right? Post school, yeah. but still in training. And I mean, do you feel like you have a, that mentorship support now as a, as a resident? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty early. So the program is five years and I think slowly I've started to kind of find people who can fit into those pieces um, I, of course, like my co-residents are really great and they're people who I look to, to be like, how do I get through the day-to-day things now? Um, and then there are some faculty members in our program who are fantastic, who I like gravitate towards and are very open to mentoring me. Um, but I think at the beginning of every stage, you're kind of like rebuilding that network. Um, but I'd have no doubt that, you know, I'll find those people and be able to, um, be able to kind of get to the next step. And you always, you know, you, you don't, you ha- you kind of have to continue to build those other relationships you had in the past too, because mm-hmm. those people still serve a purpose um, uh-huh. and are can still be lifelong mentors even if you kind of pass that stage. Oh, that's beautiful. Join UMR and Mayo Clinic on Tuesday, October 18th for the next installment of Kern Center Connects, a partnership highlighting the research of the Robert D. And Patricia E. Kern Center for the Science of Healthcare Delivery. Featuring University of Minnesota alumni at the Kern Center, our panel will include Mayo Clinic professors Molly Jeffrey, Sean Phelan, and Jennifer Ridgway, as well as 2018 UMR alum and Mayo Clinic PhD candidate Muhammad Adani. The group will discuss their wide-ranging field of work, as well as how they navigated a career in healthcare research and discovery. The event will be held on campus in room 414 on the fourth floor of University Square beginning at 5 p.m. To register, please visit z.umn.edu backslash Kern Center Connects. Yeah, I, I definitely like community engagement and kind of, I think in a bigger picture, kind of social justice is a big part of my interest. Um, and then like I like learned very quickly that I love research and really get really nerdy about um, small intricate pathways and, you know, uh, clinical research. And so in med school, I, especially in the first two years, I found it a little bit hard to maintain both of those two things at the same time with med yeah. school going on. Um, and so I think my community engagement interest kind of took a little bit of a, 
backseat. Um, I was still kind of engaged in mentorship of uh, underrepresented minorities and things like that. But like being out in the community kind of had to wait a little bit. Um, but when I was doing my third and fourth year of medical school, honestly, those experiences that I had with community engagement made my patient interactions more enriching. Um, and so every once in a while, there'd be a Somali auntie who'd be like, wait, you're like a medical student or, you know, a young Somali girl who's like, wait, you're going to be a doctor. And for me, yeah. it was just so fulfilling to see that. Yeah. Um, and to know that like, even if I wasn't actively out in the community in a way where it's like, you know, in a free clinic or things like that, I was still part of the community. I was still making a difference by just existing in that space. Yeah. Um, and then I tried really hard to uh, maintain my relationship with the Somali Health Advisory Committee, which I had built kind of in undergrad, um, see if there was ways that I could help. Um, and I continued some of my health disparities research as well into medical school. Um, and then when I was deciding on what I wanted to do in uh, kind of my specialty, that was like what it felt like I had, I kind of had to choose. Yeah. Um, because I think surgery is a hard, is, I wouldn't say hard, but I think you have to be a little bit more innovative to fit um, community engagement into a surgical career. Um, and I think that yeah. people, yeah, people are now, I think surgeons and people in general are now, are now kind of more open to trying to implement that. Um, I think the easiest way that I saw kind of community engagement fitting into my surgical career was picking a specialty where I felt like we still kind of served as a primary care uh, environment, but also we got to do a lot of surgery. And so I felt like things like urology, ENT, um, those specialties would, or like OB would be a little bit easier to kind of build those experiences in mm -hmm. within a career. Um, and I just fell in love with ENT and felt that like, if, and when I do get the chance to do community engagement in ENT, it's really easy with oral, oral health screenings and um, cancer screening. Yeah. Um, and so the, one of the main reasons, of course, I love Rochester and I think Mayo Clinic is an amazing place to train, but one of the main things I love about our program is we have a, one of our attendings is working on a community health clinic that she just got funded for, for, um, oral cancer screenings and, um, head and neck cancer screenings within the community. And so that's something that I'm really like, super excited to get involved with. Um, so I think one of the reasons why I picked ENT was mainly because I felt like it was easier to do community engagement. Um, and of course, you can always do research in medicine. So yes. that was an easy. Yeah, that was an easy one. So I came to medical school thinking I was going to be a primary care doctor, yeah. mainly because I yeah. thought I was like, I thought um, the best way to serve the community was in primary care mm -hmm. to be out kind of in the front lines. Yeah. Um, I, when I was in, when I was in medical school, I felt like I just gravitated towards the way surgeons fixed problems. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, the, it was hard for me to kind of grasp the long-term benefit of someone in terms of the work that we were doing every day. So if somebody came in and their blood pressure was still uncontrolled, um, even like, you know, the fifth, sixth time that you're seeing them, it just, I just felt defeated and I didn't feel like I was like, doing something meaningful as, as, as horrible as that sounds. Yeah. Um, and I felt that there was something definitive about seeing someone saying, this is your problem. This is what I can do about it. This is kind of our plan. Mm -hmm. And so I think once I kind of realized that, that that was like how I wanted to help people 
then I started kind of searching in surgery what the specialties were. Um, and something about ENT for me, the ENT, I think, allows you to see patients when they're brand new, like few days old, all the way to when someone's dying, because we deal with the airway, with the ears. It's everything from, they say, the uh, pleura to the dura. So clavicles to the brain. We just don't do anything with neurosurgery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I felt like I wasn't giving up a set of patients by picking ENT. For example, if you pick urology, it's a little bit harder to serve women, but you yes, can still sure. do that. <laughs> sure. um, or, you know, if you picked um, like ped surgery, you were only dealing with children. Where I felt like in ENT, I was dealing with everyone and people could come with me with a simple thing as like, oh, you know, I have this cough and I can't get it to go away to, oh, I have stage four cancer, you know, and you're well equipped to deal with those things. Um and the surgeries in ENT are just amazing and life-changing. You know, we can build someone a new jaw or, you know, do facial plastic surgery and like wow. do a facelift, you know, yeah. so it's do sinus surgery, help with, you know, skull-based surgery, things like that. And I felt like I wasn't really giving up any part of medicine by doing ENT. I felt like I was just subspecializing. Mm. Yeah. And so that's think- like from viewing your classmates, I mean, is this thing people just figure out, right? Like, I think I, yeah. I've read like 10% of students end up doing what they think they're going to do. So you right. just figure it out through your rotations. Is that kind of what the process was like for you? Uh, sort of. I think that the thing that makes a big difference is mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I had, I was again, very lucky. So I had this general surgeon who was a transplant surgeon, who was an amazing mentor to me. But I could not see myself doing what he did. I was like, I uh, need to be around my family and I can't work like this all the time. (laughs) You know, it's really cool what you do. Um, And so I like kind of searched out different subspecialties and felt that the ENT department was just more welcoming and really like believed in kind of my what I wanted for my career to look like and felt like that was needed in ENT and felt like I could contribute to the to the specialty. Mm -hmm. And a lot really... I think that that really impacts people's decisions way more than just kind of what they're interested in. Um, I think a lot of people who go into medical school have very broad interests and a lot of us can be pretty much anything. Um, And the people who kind of latch onto you early on really have a huge impact on kind of where you end up. Um, So I think that mentorship really has a big impact. But again, you can't like, if you hate the OR, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, if your mentor is fantastic, you just, (laughs) you just hate it. You know, it's the same thing. If you can't be in clinic every day for the rest of your life, you kind of figure that out. Yeah. Um, That's great advice. UMR would like to hear from you. Please visit this episode's show notes for how to connect and share your UMR journey. Now back to Dr. Ali and Jen as they talk about advice for students interested in pursuing medicine. So, so the journey to medicine is long. We know that, mm-hmm. right? And I think, especially as undergrads, it feels like overwhelmingly long. Um, looking back at sort of your younger self, what advice do you think you would give yourself as you started this sort of pre-med journey that started at, here at UMR? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that anything is possible. I think I've kind of proved that to myself in the 10 years it's taken me to get here now. Um, I had a lot of self-doubt and a lot of kind of imposter syndrome 
all throughout my training. And I think at times, even as a, you know, a new kind of a newbie in, um, in ENT. Um, but I think that with ample of time and like really good work ethic and just like sometimes good mentors and luck, you can really get to where you want to be. So I think persistence is something that is, should not be like underrated. And, um, if you, for example, like I remember when I was considering applying to med school, um, during my third year going into my fourth year and I just didn't have the MCAT scores. And we had this conversation where it was like, should you do DO or should you do MD and things like that? And I think that from that experience, I had learned that like sometimes, and you said this to me where you were like, you just need more time, you know, and like an extra year can make a big difference for you. Um, and at that time I was like, no, I can't, like, I don't have an extra year in me. (laughs) Um, but a year is really nothing in the grand scheme of things, um, (laughs) in the grand scheme of your goals and your careers. And, um, if it takes you a year to get to where you want to go, then take the Mm -hmm. year and just kind of, you know, I think you kind of have to be a little bit headstrong and persist. Um, but also like asking people for help. Um, I think those two things have really helped me get a lot further than I had ever anticipated. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad you brought, I have very vivid memories of that conversation <laughs> where you're like, I can't take more time. And then by the end of the appointment, you were like, I'm going to take more time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> sort of like arrived at this moment. So, you know, I think that decision of taking that gap year, that growth year is something that a lot of students struggle with in their pre-med journey. Um, and you know, like ultimately you decided to take it. What do you think that that year, I'm totally coming out with my bias here. I'm a big fan of the extra year, right? Or maybe even yeah. years for some folks. Yeah. But what do you think for you that that extra year gave you the time to do? Yeah. Um, I look fondly uh, at that year. I loved that year. Um, you know, in that time, I like did research and, you know, still like worked on my application. And I felt like I had a much stronger application from that experience. Um, something about like an extra year to be able to really sit down and really think about why are you doing this? Like I could get a really good job and like live, you know, a semi easier life, (laughs) you know, Um, you know, at least for like the next like 10 years um, while I'm in training, if I had like picked something else, you know, and, and still be fulfilled. And I think that there are options out there. And I, and when, I was the type of student who was like very much like, I only have this one focus and I'm only going that way. Um, and I think the year really forced me to sit down and really think about, is this like what I want to do? Um, and what is that going to mean for me kind of in the future? Um, I also at, in that time, like had my son and was like a mom for a year and yes. hung out at home. Um, and I like, it was amazing. I loved that year. Um, and I now as you know, when, when I see people with like really amazing skills, you meet really talented people in medicine. And mm-hmm. some of my peers took two, three, four years to like travel the world or get a master's in something else. And those things really like come up later on when they're thinking about how to kind of enrich their careers. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. that I went to school with who did like narrative medicine and all these other things because they were writers and took time to foster that while you know, not in school. Um, so I think the couple of years in between undergrad and med school are really like fantastic years to explore anything else that you want to do besides medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you come back 
to med school just like fresher and like have a purpose um it makes it it makes those days a little bit easier definitely that's such beautiful advice yeah and I'm so glad you brought up your beautiful son who is in kindergarten now yeah, he's big. I, I'm always shocked. I'm like, oh wow. You learn you know that word? Yeah. <laughs> you do those things. Yeah. How That's do awesome. how does it feel balancing a life as as a mom and as a, a very, very busy physician in training? Yeah. You know, what is life like for you? Life is busy. Uh, but busy is good. Um I have a wonderful family who has really supported me in this entire process. Um, when I was in medical school, like my family, it, I could have honestly, if I needed to drop everything and do whatever I needed to do for school, my family was ready to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really blessed to have them. And so they kind of made that experience easier. And now being in Rochester, like that's what they do. You know, I'm like, okay, please stop. <laughs> help me, help me get through this. Um, my family, um, also like Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there. Um, okay. The thing I loved about being a mom in medical school was I felt like it gave me a little bit more of a purpose than maybe some of my peers. And maybe that's just my bias. I felt like I connected with people a little bit better, um, mm-hmm. mainly because like, for example, when I was on peds, I like knew what it meant to be those parents, you yeah. know, in that space. And I was like, I like get it. You're this like, nervous parent and you're nervous because this is your kid and I like completely can bond with you emotionally right now I have one of those (laughs) right exactly and I was like if I was in your shoes I would be even more disruptive you know um and so I think it just made me a better doctor I think it still makes me a better doctor um and going home and like knowing that someone is like benefiting from all the work that I've done and, you know, the life that he gets to have is very different from what I had, even though I like grew up very, um, like my parents provided us with everything that we ever needed, but I think it's just still different. So it just makes this process more enriching. Yeah. Yeah. I love that reflection. Thank you. Of course. So, you know, I hope that some of our listeners might be current UMR students. And I'm just curious if you have any kind of general advice for those, especially that are looking at applying to med school, have this interest in medicine. You've already provided us with some really beautiful advice about finding your mentors, challenging yourself and growing academically. Is there any other advice you might have for those students? Yeah, Um, I would say have fun. I think it's like really, really hard to beat someone or do better than someone who loves what they do. Um, and like, I enjoyed my time at UMR, um, as like nerdy as that sounds, but like, (laughs) I just, I don't know. I felt like I like thrived and blossomed there. Um, and so I think that people should just like challenge themselves, but also like enjoy the process. Um, this this is, and it's the same thing for med school. I think it's possible for you to feel like everything, everyone and everything is against you and everything is hard. But I think if you just like take a step back and realize that like, you know, you're living your dream, you're doing, you get to do, you get to go to college and you get to study interesting mm. things and learn things. Um, I think it just gives you a very different perspective and it makes the learning process a lot easier. Um, and it makes the experience a lot more enjoyable. Like I loved UMR and I loved med school and it's just, you just like, it helps you kind of keep going and, um, you get a lot. You get a lot out of the experiences if you're if you're enjoying it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
thank you to Dr. Ali and Jen for an illuminating conversation. And thank you for listening to Beyond the Nest, UMR's alumni podcast. Beyond the Nest is produced by UMR Alumni Relations and edited by Marshall Saunders with Minnesota Podcasting. We'll be back next month with a special State of the Campus episode featuring UMR Chancellor Lori Carroll and Rochester Student Association President Patricia Hernandez. Until then, toodaloo.